Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your, um, your Bible, get your Bible out. We're going to go to Acts chapter 6. And we are going to continue our year-long series on the book of Psalms. And we're going we're gonna to find ourselves in a wonderful continuation of our Lent series. And we're going to be focusing as we approach Easter. Can you believe it? I feel like we just finished, just finished Christmas and here Easter is upon us. And we are getting ready to uh, celebrate what Christ has uh, done for us. If you look on the bottom of your notes, and by the way, all of you that are watching online, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being with us today. Get your sermon notes out just for a moment. And I want you to go to the, the, the bottom part of your sermon, the very last part, the last page, the last section there of your sermon notes. And you'll see four posters behind me. And these are the, the four weeks that we have focused on out of Psalm 22. Now, remember, Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm pointing people to the cross, pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to what was done on Calvary's cross. Some of the same words that David used in Psalm 22 are the very same words that Jesus used on the cross. So Psalm 22 is a prophetic message pointing people to the gracious gift of Christ on Calvary's cross. How many of you are glad that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we may be free and have victory? So in the bottom of your notes, you're going to see the first verse of Scripture that we're going to review here just for a few moments, and it is found in verse 1. So David, like Christ, asked the question, why? Can you say that, that one word with me? Why? I think it's okay to ask why. It's not okay to wallow in why. I've asked why like you have a million times. Why did this happen to my son? Why did my wife leave me? Why did my business go under? Why are my kids rebellious and not walking with the Lord? There's a million whys that we have. And I'm comforted to know that not even David, who cried why, Christ cried why. And you'll see it there in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? You'll look at the next poster that you see here to my left and your right. It's the word, when God is silent. There's been times in your life and times in my life where God seems distant. God seems a million miles away. You pray. You read your Bible. You volunteer. You don't kick the cat. And it seems like God is a, a, a hundred miles away. God, where are you? I'm comforted that even Christ Wonder, God, have you left me? Why are you silent? Why are you not answering me? David cried out in Psalm 22. You'll read it there in your notes. He says, my God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. There are times in our lives when God is silent. But his silence is not a sign of his absence. And when God is silent, God is very, very close. We look at the next poster to my left, and we talked about this last week. Tis so sweet. 
to trust. Look what David said in Psalm 22. He says, in your, in your ancestors, they put their trust, they trusted in you, and you delivered them. I wonder who your trust is today. Aren't you glad that your trust is not in the government? Your trust is not in who is president at the time. Your trust is not in the size of your 401k. Our trust is in God. And as we point to Easter, as we walk through this Lent series, we need to be reminded as believers that our trust is in God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust and depend on the name of the Lord. And then the last poster you'll see to my left and, and your right, we're going to talk about this today. When the world rejects you. Look what David said in Psalm 22. He says, but I am a worm, I'm not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me, and they hurl insults, shaking their heads. I'm wondering when was the last time that you were rejected? When was the last time that you experienced people making fun of you, rejecting you? not agreeing with you and scorning you. You see, on, on Calvary's cross, Christ experienced in a powerful way the rejection of man. My first experience with rejection happened in, in 1973. I was a sixth grade student at Rock Lake Elementary School in downtown Orlando. I don't know how it happened, but I made the safety patrol. Back then in the day, man, making the safety patrol was like, you, you were all that. They gave you a little orange little strap that you strapped around your waist, you strapped it over your shoulder, and man, you just, you, you walked around and people knew you were safety patrol. You're like, they were like, man, they respected you, they looked up to you. It was, it was a big moment. I don't know how I made it, but I made safety patrol. What was really cool was that my girlfriend, Barbara Hurst, was the president of safety patrol. So I had two ends, man. I was not only safety patrol, my girlfriend was the president, the head of safety patrol. Well, one afternoon, I was, I was at the light. I was doing my duty. I got out of school five minutes early. I was at my post. I was, had, my, had my belt on. I was ready to go. And, and a few minutes after school let out, a fight broke out down the street. Now, I didn't really know the policy. But I was informed that, 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 that there was a fight going down the street. And, of course, being the compassionate young man that I was in 1973, I left my post and I went to go break up the fight. Broke up the fight, felt good. On Monday morning, come to find out that I had broken the policy and I was no longer a safety patrol. And on top of that, the same week, Barbara broke up with me. You talk about rejection. You talk about being despised. You talk about a, a tough week. I not only lost my badge, but I lost my girlfriend, my first taste of rejection kind of wondering today, when was the last time that you 
uh, were rejected. May not be a girlfriend breaking up with you, may not be losing a post on the safety patrol, but chances are there's people here today that are in the auditorium watching online that you've been, you've been hurt. You have a, a small taste of what rejection really feels like. It's painful, it hurts, it, 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 it gets right to the gut and it's hard to deal with sometimes. I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you real quick and we're going to look at a, a man who was really dealt with rejection. His name was Christ. His rejection is not like our American rejection. The little things that, that we deal with can't even compare to what Christ dealt with when, when, when he said in Psalm 22, I'm, I'm rejected. The world has rejected me. They mock me. They laugh at me. They, they scorn me. We're going to look at another gentleman in the New Testament by the name of Stephen who lost his life. Talk about rejection. And how we can overcome that rejection and, and use that rejection to make us, make us better. Can I hear an amen? Uh, don't go there, but in, write down in your notes, and, and, and you do have it in your notes. I want you to follow along. Let me read just for a moment, and then we're going to talk about Stephen. Psalm 53, and I want you to get a little taste of what real rejection is like. Isaiah, yes, thank you. Isaiah 53. I know your girlfriend breaking up with you is, is tough. I know you losing your business is tough. I know losing your wife is tough. I know losing your husband is tough. But this is real rejection. And it took place so that you and I can be free. Ultimate price. Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one whose people hid their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and, and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that was brought upon him brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And a sheep before its shears is silent. And he did not open his mouth. Well, that's rejection. That is tough. And it was done so that we may have victory. And chances are in your life you're going to face rejection. You're going to face people scorning you and, and, and hurting you and wounding you. And really how you respond to that rejection determines your destiny and moving forward. I want you to go to Acts chapter 6 with me real quick. We're going to look at another hero of the faith who faced scorn and rejection and heartache and pain. His name was Stephen. He was a, he was a hero of the faith. He gave his life for the gospel. Here's the Cliff's Notes version. Stephen was, a, was an apostle and he was, he was a brave young man. And the religious leaders of the day... We're mad at Stephen for his faith. 
And Stephen was brought before the Sanhedrin. It would be like being brought before the Supreme Court. And in that moment before the Sanhedrin, Stephen was full, the Bible says, of courage and power. And he spoke to the Sanhedrin. He confronted the religious hardness of heart that had developed in the Jewish people. And they didn't like it. They got so mad that the Bible says they gnashed their teeth. Think about it. Being a a dad with four kids, there was moments in my life where I gnashed my teeth. It's not a good thing. They were so upset at Stephen that they gnashed their teeth. And ultimately they took stones and they stoned Stephen. But yet in the midst of all that persecution and hatred and scorn, his focus was on Christ and the goodness of the cross and the goodness of Christ. And I learned from Stephen as I learned from Jesus That in the midst of rejection and pain and people despising you, how you respond determines your future. How you react determines your destiny. I want to be like Stephen. I want to be like Jesus. So let's look for a couple minutes at Acts chapter 6. And we're going to talk about when the world rejects you. Point number one is there in your notes. It's there on the screen. When the world rejects you, you need to... Live life full. Everyone say that word full. Full. We don't have time to go there today, but in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, 5, and 8, it says that Stephen was full of it. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of grace. He was full of power. And because of that, he was full of miracles and he was full of wonders. Watch this, church. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you are full of courage, when you are full of God's Spirit, when you face persecution, good things happen. And the Bible says that Stephen was full of Miracles and wonders, and the religious leaders hated it. I think it's interesting that the religious institution hated that there was a young man by the name of Stephen, and he was full of God's spirit and full of courage and full of wisdom. My question to you today is, what are you full of? Because if you are full of God's grace, full of God's power, full of God's spirit, when persecution comes, you are going to handle it like Stephen did, and you're going to handle it like Jesus did. I love what Max Licato says. God can't fill you when you're already full of yourself. Love it. See, To be full of things is to be empty of God. To be empty of things is to be full of God. And I don't know much about Steve, but I know this. He was full of wisdom. He was full of courage. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of miracles. And when persecution came, he responded properly. And that's the way Christ would want us to respond. Can I get an amen? The Bible says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. 
Bible says that John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in Ephesians to Pine Castle. This is what the Lord says to us today. Pine Castle, be filled with the Spirit. And that's just not a one-time experience that you have when you went to youth camp 30 years ago. It is a daily filling because you know that the world fills you up with this philosophy. The world fills you up with its observations and his opinions, and as believers, we need to be reminded on a daily basis, be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with God's Spirit, you will respond properly when persecution comes. Be full of it. Live life full. Can I get an amen? Number two, when the world rejects you, I love this, take their rejection as a compliment. Take it as a compliment. Watch this. Stephen was confronting religious tradition. And he didn't take offense to rejection. Instead, he took it as a compliment. I asked you a few minutes ago, what was the last time that you were rejected? And I hope that when you faced rejection that you didn't mope, that you didn't groan, that you didn't go, oh, poor me, self-pity, they're not being nice to me, they rejected me. I hope that when you are faced with rejection, that you, like Stephen, you take it as a compliment. Because when you are rejected, that means that there's something good in you. You are changing the culture. You are changing the atmosphere. And if you haven't been rejected lately... It may mean that you're not doing much. Because leaders, people, men and women of God, when they're full of God's spirit and full of God's power and full of God's grace, there is going to be issues and there's going to be confrontation and there's going to be rejection. When you get rejected, take it as a compliment. I was at the beach for a couple days this week, and my brother, who's got all the money, he let me borrow his golf cart. It was super cool. I didn't know the rules, but I had a blast driving around this go-kart, this golf cart through New Smyrna. As I'm driving, just minding my business, driving my golf cart, Three times in a matter of a couple of hours, I got honked at for no good reason. I wasn't speeding because the golf cart only goes 35 miles an hour. I was in the lane. I was minding my business. And on three separate times within an hour, I was honked at. And I took it as a compliment. I waved at them like I knew them. I waved at them like I hadn't seen them in 30 years. I waved at every single one of them like they were my best friend. Because sometimes when you and I are faced with rejection, we take it personal. We, we wallow in self-pity. We feel bad and we complain, oh, this is really hard being a Christian. It's tough following Jesus. 
when we really should, when we're faced with opposition and we're faced with rejection, we should take it as a compliment. It means that you're doing something right. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't break any rules when I was driving that golf cart. Now, if I'd have been on my car and I-4, I would admit it to several sins that I would have committed. I was minding my own business. I was obeying the law. But when they honked, I took it as a compliment. And if I were you today, as you are confronted with rejection, take it as a compliment. It means you're doing something right. Can I get an amen? I like what John Maxwell says. John Maxwell says, successful people reject rejection. I like that. Stephen rejected rejection. You may not like my message, but I'm going to speak with boldness to this tradition. I'm going to speak to the hardness of heart. I'm going to speak to this culture, and I'm going to reject rejection. Dr. Steve Mahoney says this, every time I thought I was being rejected from doing something good, I love it, I was being redirected to something better. And rejection sometimes is leading you to something better. Take it as a compliment. Number three, if you're still with me, let, let me hear an amen. When you are being rejected, opposition will arise. Look at verse 9. You'll see it there in notes, Acts chapter 6. And opposition arose. However, from the members of the synagogue of the freemen. Now, this is interesting. Stephen is just minding his business, and suddenly opposition arose. I think it's interesting that the opposition, the Bible says, was from the free men. That word there means from those who have been liberated. And this is what I find interesting about this story. You would think that people who have been liberated would not be in opposition to a young man who was filled with God's spirit and filled with God's power. you think that they would be in favor of a Stephen who was full of God and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that opposition arose. I have found over the years that my greatest opposition comes from Christians, from believers. I find that odd. I find that I can get along with people in the world. I can sit down next to somebody who's having a beer and, and we can and like we can talk. That's cool. But sometimes freemen, people who have been liberated, many times bring the most opposition. You think the people that would have your back, the people that would be there supporting you, people who have been liberated would say, thank God for Stephen. Thank God that he's full of the Holy Spirit and he's full of wisdom and he's full of miraculous signs and wonders. We embrace you. No, the opposition came from the freemen, those who've been liberated. Many of you know we got a lot going on in our denomination. A lot of stuff's been going on the past couple of days. Our leadership team is like that, that duck. We look cool on the 
top of the water, but underneath we are paddling like crazy. A lot going on. Our denomination has become increasingly liberal. And we've come to a crossroads. It's been going on for years. I mean, the guys that read the book of discipline, with that, that is our book of order and all that. I don't, never really read it. I just prefer my Bible. Say this has been going on since 1948. But it's come to a head. And I can't go into much detail today, but next week we're going to give you a very detailed update of what's going on. And I can tell you, opposition is going to arise. And you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to be scared, you don't have to be worried, you don't have to be panicked. Why? Because we're going to be like Stephen, we're going to be full of God's spirit. We're going, to be, we're going to be full of God's power. We're going to be full of, of, of courage. And, and, and we're, going to, we're going to confront, like Stephen did, the hardness of heart. And we're going to do it in love. We're going to do it with grace. But I'm telling you, opposition is coming. And it's time just to stiffen your backbone just a little bit. Dig in your heels just a little bit. And understand that sometimes opposition is good, and sometimes it's necessary. This is a battle that we have to confront. And if Jesus confronted it with grace, if Stephen confronted it with grace, as a church and as a leadership team, we're going to address it in the same way. We're going to be full of God's spirit. We're going to be full of God's grace. We're going to be full of God's wisdom and courage, and we're not going to compromise. Can I get an amen? Opposition will Arise. Don't be afraid of opposition. Remember, a kite rises remember this, that opposition is like a kite. It rises against, not with the wind. I want to be like a kite today. Can I get an amen? We're going to rise against the wind and not with the wind. I like what T.D. Jake says. You face your greatest opposition when you are closest to your biggest miracle. Opposition will arise. Quickly, number four, shine brightly. Shine brightly. Love it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6, 15, watch this, that in the heat of the moment, they were gnashing their teeth. Church, they had flipping rocks in their hand. They were getting ready to stone him. They were so mad. You talk about opposition. And the Bible says when they looked at Stephen, his face was shining like that of an angel. Oh, I love that. I love that. I want to be like Stephen. He wasn't moping. He wasn't complaining. He wouldn't have a pity party. In the midst of his greatest opposition, the Bible says his face was shining brightly like an angel. I wonder if I went to your employees this week and asked them what you look like in stressful times. I wonder if they would say, he looks like an angel. <laughs> I doubt it. I wonder if I talked to your wife 
in the midst of difficult season, if it's said of you, oh, he looks like an angel. I don't know, past couple years, what we're dealing with as a family, I guarantee you there was many times in the hospital that I did not look like an angel. But I want to. I want to be like Christ on the cross in the midst of insults. I want to, I want to look and respond and act like an angel. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Are you all with me this morning? It doesn't mean that you got it all together. It doesn't mean that you've always, that you've arrived. But let it be said of us when we are faced with persecution, when opposition arises, when the religious tradition rises up and says, we don't like that. It's always been like this. Be quiet. Sit down. That's not your place. But we will respond and it will be said of us that we look like angels and we act like angels. See, I'm not interested in just looking the part. I don't want you to just look the part. I want you to act the part. Live the part. Live like Stephen. Full of the Holy Spirit. Filled every day. And when opposition comes, it would be said of you, you look like an angel. Are you all with me this morning? I got four more minutes. <laughs> Esther, who was faced with opposition was sitting at a royal chair, and word came to her, Esther, opposition is arising, you've got to step up. If you don't, God's going to pick somebody else, but you've been brought to royal position for such a time as this. And guess what Esther did? She arose. Like Stephen, she stepped up in the face of adversity, conflict, and opposition, and she made a difference. By the way, Esther's name means shining star. Yeah, she, she, she sparkled like Stephen. Her face was sparkling with the glory of God in the midst of rejection. I want to be like Esther. I want to be like Stephen. I want to be like Jesus. I want to shine brightly. Can I get an amen? amen. Last point. Here we go. Actually, two more points. When you're faced with opposition, you will see Jesus more clearly. Wow. They tie Stephen up. Wrap his hands around a pole. Wrap his feet like Christ to a pole. And they're getting ready to stone him. And in the middle of all this drama, the Bible says that Stephen looked up and saw Jesus standing. See, I don't understand it, and I don't like it. But when things are the darkest, that's when Jesus shines the brightest. In your darkest moment, in your moments of despair and frustration and anger and abandonment, I don't like it that Jesus shines brightly. And in his darkest moment, the Bible says that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus 
clearly. And Jesus was standing up. First time in history. I find this fascinating. If you go through your Bible, I mean, you're not going to do it, but if you go through your Bible, a hundred times it's mentioned that Jesus is seating, seated, seated at the right hand of God the Father. This is the first time in history that Stephen sees Jesus standing. See, he will stand for people who stand up for him. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I really do believe it. That Jesus could no longer sit. He had to stand. When someone's going to make a stand and someone's going to face opposition and someone's going to face ridicule, Jesus can no longer just be seated. He's got to stand. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe it. I believe Jesus was clapping, applauding. Thank you, Stephen. You stood up for me. I'm going to stand up for you. And that's what happens when you take a stand. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulty, when you stand, Christ stands. And I love this. Stephen's name means badge of honor. Hmm. It's almost like Jesus said, I'm going to stand and I'm going to put a pin of honor for you, Stephen, for making a stand. You see, when you are in your darkest moments, Jesus will stand and you'll see him more clearly. Just so you don't think I'm crazy, how many of you are here today and in your darkest moment, when you were going through a divorce, you lost your business, you lost your husband, you lost your wife, you lost your money, how many of you in your darkest moments, you sensed and you saw Jesus more clearly than ever? Can I see your hand? Yeah. See, I'm not crazy. When life is the darkest, Jesus is the brightest. And then number six, Ashlyn, if you'll come to the keyboard. I love this one. I want to be like this. When you're faced with opposition, release them through the power of forgiveness. I love what Stephen says. His last dying words was the same dying words of Christ. Watch this, church. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I find great comfort in that. Your mother-in-law, she doesn't know what she's doing. Sorry, Carol. Your boss doesn't know what he's doing. Your government leaders, they don't know what they're doing. The people, watch this, that are bringing the greatest up, your denominational leaders, they don't know what they're doing. So let's all agree. The people that are causing us the most trouble, they don't know what they're doing. And neither do you. And that's what's so powerful about grace. That's why it's called amazing grace. 
Watch this, church. Let's all agree just here for a moment. I don't know what I'm doing, and you don't know what you're doing. And they don't know what they're doing. So what Stephen did is the same thing that Christ did. Father, I forgive them. Corey Tim Boone says this. When you release someone through the power of forgiveness, you release the prisoner and discover the prisoner is you. See, I'm not going to hold and I'm not going to be in bondage. I'm going to live in liberty and I'm going to live in freedom and I'm going to live in the power of forgiveness. Why? Because I am released. I'm no longer a prisoner. And when Christ was on Calvary's cross, he beautifully articulated the words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Could it be today that a prisoner needs to be set free and the prisoner is you? Bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness is a cancer. And we need to follow in the footsteps of Stephen and Jesus and release people that don't know what they're doing. And release us to live a life of liberty and freedom because we live a life of forgiveness. As we get ready to close here today, uh, there could be people watching online, there could be people in the sanctuary today that, that, that just something has gotten all under your craw for the past couple of weeks and maybe it's somebody you need to forgive. Let Stephen inspire you. Let Christ inspire you and bring you to the point where you say, God, I don't like what they do. I don't like what they said. I don't like how they responded. I don't like the way they're treating me, but I forgive them. And you get to walk in freedom and liberty. I want to be like Stephen. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Esther. In the face of opposition, I want to shine brightly and live a life of amazing grace. Would you stand across the auditorium with me as we get ready to close? I've gone one minute over. I thank you for your grace. I want to pray for you this week. That you'd be like Christ. That you'd be like Stephen. That your face would shine brightly in the face of opposition. And you'd be full of God's spirit to live the kind of life that God has called you to live. Can I tell you this? Your grandkids are watching. Your kids are watching. Your employees are watching. People are watching. Let's be like Stephen. Let's be like Christ. Let's be full of God's spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the heroes and Psalms and Acts that inspire us to live a life full of it. I pray for your people today that as they go into a, a dangerous, mean, difficult world, I pray that you'll go with them. Let them be full of your spirit. Let them be full of courage. Let them be full of wisdom. Let them be like Stephen today, God. Help us, Lord, in the midst of opposition and rejection. And God, help us to respond properly because we know that it determines our destiny. I pray for your grace to release people that have forgiven us. And we thank you in advance for the liberty that we can walk in because we live by grace. We're grateful for it. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God give you peace. May he allow you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to face opposition with character and integrity. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.
We'll see you next week.